You're listening to a podcast about brain health in diverse America. The goal of this podcast is to inform listeners about the latest research on healthy brain aging and risk factors leading to cognitive impairment and dementia. While the scientific community knows that aging affects brain health of Black, Hispanic, and European Americans quite differently, we still don't know the why and the how that this happens. This podcast will closely examine healthy and unhealthy aging in America as we discuss themes especially relevant to Black and Hispanic Americans. I'm Dr. David Johnson, Director of the California Alzheimer's Disease Research Center in the East Bay and one of many scientists working on the Diverse Vascular Cognitive Impairment and Dementia Study. This podcast is a production of the National Institute on Neurological Disorders and Stroke, the grant-funded Diverse Vascular Cognitive Impairment and Dementia Study, and the UC Davis School of Medicine. This podcast is produced by Darling New Media Podcast Studios in Sacramento, California. Welcome to Brain Health in Diverse America. My guests today are Drs. Charles DeCarly and Miriam Fornage. Dr. DeCarly is the director of the UC Davis Alzheimer's Disease Research Center, a center of excellence funded by the National Institutes of Health. He is also director of the Imaging of Dementia and Aging Laboratory. His clinical care focuses on the diagnosis and management of individuals with mild cognitive impairment and dementia. And he is the principal investigator of the diverse PCID study. Dr. Fornage's interests lie in molecular genetics of complex diseases with an emphasis on cerebrovascular disease and stroke. She is a member of the American Society of Human Genetics and the American Heart Association Stroke Council. Dr. Fernage is the co-principal investigator of the Diverse BCID study. In this episode of Brain Health in Diverse America, our guests talk about their study and why including diversity in research is critically important to the clinical care and scientific discovery. Dr. DeCarly shares how he developed a passion for brain health and the importance of this groundbreaking research. Dr. Fornage shares how she developed a passion for molecular genetics and cerebrovascular disease and why she feels this study is unlike any other that's been conducted before. They explain past research, what they've learned along the way, and what they hope to learn at the completion of this study. Welcome, Drs. DeCarly and Fornage. Thank you. Dr. Johnson, happy to be here. Thank you for having us. First, let me ask the question that is on all of our listeners' minds. Exactly what is vascular cognitive impairment? <laughs> yes, that's a really good question. What we know is that as we get older, it gets more difficult to do complex tasks that involve memory and thinking. Some of this is part of the aging process, but some of this is due to diseases that are not necessarily linked with your age. 
Um, Alzheimer's disease, for example, can start in very young people or older people. Vascular cognitive impairment is another disease, and it really has to do with your heart and blood vessel health as they affect the brain. So when we think about vascular cognitive impairment, we're talking about diseases that affect vascular health, such as hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol. And these lead to changes in the blood circulation of the brain that then either directly or indirectly injure the brain's ability to function. And when you have vascular disease and impairment worse than be expected for your age, then you have vascular cognitive impairment. Excellent. So our heart health and our brain health sound like they're pretty connected. Yes, that's a really good point. Um, and I think that um, what we can say is historically, we focused on heart health and brain health separately. And now we're beginning to understand how intimately connected they are. Um, and in fact, the health of the whole, whole body affects the brain because they're all interconnected. Dr. Fornage, can you tell me what exactly are you hoping to achieve in this study? What's the mission of the study? So we want to uh, ultimately bring whatever we learn from this study to the clinic. So in um, contemporary medicine, we are trying to have more precise ways of uh, determining who will go on and have disease as they age. And so we, have, we are using tools um, such as biomarkers, genetic markers, to try to identify who in the population will be most at risk to develop vascular cognitive impairments. And so my work is to identify these biomarkers so we can have prediction models to help the clinician who, is gonna be, who are gonna be measuring your vascular health Know, your, high, your high blood pressure um, and all the clinical parameters. But us um, researchers are able with biomarker data, genetic data, to add some precision and add to the models that the clinician use and, and uh, determine better who is going to be at risk to develop disease. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. In, in, a, in a nutshell, our goal is to you know, predict um, who needs to have hopefully some um, intervention to help them reduce their risk for developing um, memory and thinking problems down the road. And just to add to a little bit about what Miriam was saying, because it's, it's kind of important in that this study is based particularly on what's beginning to happen in our uh, doctor's offices regularly, and that is is that somebody comes in, they have a memory complaint, the doctor gets a brain scan, usually an MR, a magnetic resonance image, and they see these little white spots on the brain, and they say, wow, this looks like you have vascular disease. And so we're going to actually ask that question. How important is it that when, they, when you come into the office with some memory complaint, and you have these white things on your scan 
How much does that tell us about what's going to happen in a year, two years, 10 years? And then from that discovery, begin to develop medications that may reduce those outcomes or even prevent those outcomes. So we don't already know what these white spots are doing? Is that something new about the study? Um, we know that these white spots on the brain um, occur commonly as we get older, that they are um, often found in the settings of hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol. So they, we know they're uh, things that uh, are associated with vascular disease. We also know that they um, are associated with future risk for dementia. But what has never been done and what is unique about this cohort are actually, there are two things that are unique about this cohort. The first that's never been done is that we're actually gonna take people who walk through the door with memory complaints and they have a certain amount of this on their brain and we're gonna look at how did that get there and why does it get worse over time and how does it affect their memory? And the second thing, and I think the most important thing here is we're looking at it across a diverse communities that are gonna be more representative of what our, the United States and the health of the United States looks like um, over the next decades uh, uh, and into the future. Yeah, to add what, what uh, Charlie just said, most of the studies that have been done to date have, have been done largely on white Americans or white Europeans. And so what this study does is actually really reaching out to a broad uh, spectrum of individual that represent our society. Yeah, and, and because it's more uh, representative of our society, one of the things we tend to see in clinical trials when we do them is that we get these unrepresentative groups that get involved in the clinical trials. And then we don't know if the, if the medication is going to work for other groups. And sometimes it doesn't because there are different features that need to be treated. And so this will give us an opportunity to actually look at what features of the population might need to be uh, treated um, to make it better for the whole population. And it may be different for each um, uh, you know, ancestry background. So uh, white European Americans may need one treatment, um, uh, black African Americans may need another, and um, Hispanic Latino Americans may need a third, or maybe there's something that treats everybody and we now know that, and we're all better off for it. I think it's important, probably first, to sort of explain what is a biomarker for the people listening, and then how is that going to be something new or different, and for, that we're going to learn about the individual or the people that are in this study, especially uh, Black Americans and Hispanic Americans. I'm going to let um, Miriam answer the biomarkers part, and then I'm going to talk about what does uh, diverse um, ancestry do with those biomarkers? So, Miriam? So a biomarker is, is, is a measurement of, of some uh, quantity that represents a disease. So, for example, cholesterol is a biomarker of heart disease. That's, you know, that's glucose is a biomarker of diabetes. So we want to have this type of biomarkers for VCID, something we can measure easily in the doctor's office and that will help you to predict uh, what 
what the disease diagnosis or, or prognosis. So that would be a biomarker. And there are all kinds of biomarkers, um, biomarkers in the blood, biomarkers that you can measure, you know, level in the blood. You can, uh, we talked about uh, an imaging, an image of the, of the brain, a scan, a brain scan, that's a biomarker as well. Um, so all these type of measurement that can help you to uh, diagnose a disease or predict a disease. And of course, Miriam, there's the genetics of which you are an expert. <laughs> And they can be considered biomarkers as well. Yes. And do they act the same way in every group? And the answer is unclear. Generally not. And it's, it's unclear, but most likely not. And certainly there are some genetic factors that will be the same across the board, but there are some perhaps genetic factors that are unique or have different effects. So maybe a greater effect in one group than another, for example. So that's really exciting. I think that one of the key points that you're trying to say then is that all of these biomarkers are going to be very specific to the individual, kind of like a lock and a key specific for that person. Is that right, Dr. Fournage? That depending on the genetics, that these biomarkers could be different person to person and from ethnicity to ethnicity? Well, they could, they could be different or they could be the same, but uh, the, our purpose is to identify, you know, how they differ, if they differ. And so that, that would be the purpose is to find some biomarkers that are helpful to predict the disease in a group. And so, uh, you know, again, some genetic factors may be uh, unique to some group. Um, so that would be that would be what we're trying to identify here: some unique biomarker uh, for that. Oh, not really unique biomarker that are specific to to groups, yeah. so that can do a good job at distinguishing or, or diagnosing the disease in these groups. And it doesn't have to be just a gene, okay? And so we know, for example, that um, there are environmental differences. Um, we have disparities in healthcare. We have um, all kinds of differences across populations, um, ancestry that can have different effects on health. And in fact, there's even evidence that depending on your genetic background, you may do well under one condition, but not so well under another environmental condition. And so because we're doing such a comprehensive assessment, a very thorough evaluation of all the potential factors that could be going into to play here for predicting risk in the future of cognitive impairment or dementia, that we will be able to, I hope in some small way, begin to, to tease out, is it mostly important that, for example, you control your blood pressure, or is it important that you only control your blood pressure if you have a set of genetic factors? And um, we know, for example, in the Hispanic Latino population, there seems to be something about the fact that they're much more prone to get diabetes here in the United States. That may not be true in their countries of origin, but it certainly is true in, uh, in the United States. And this has been seen with other uh, uh, ancestry groups, the uh, Japanese, for example, um, when they moved from Japan to the United States many years ago, um, they had a change in uh, 
stroke risk as they moved from Japan to the United States. So um, I, we think there's probably a lot going on here, but we're doing it in a way that we might be able to tease out some of those factors. Well, I think that you're starting to get at the root of what my next question is. Why should people of color really care about clinical research? Why should they care about this study? Can you help me explain to the listeners why people of color should care about this clinical research? It's a great question, David, and I think it's a really important one. Um, we know for a fact that there are differences by ancestry traits across um, the health uh, of people in the United States. Um, I alluded to the diabetes among Hispanic Latinos in, uh, in the United States. Uh, uh, Black African Americans have hypertension as a more common phenomenon. And the, the question is, each on their own may be contributing to their impairment. But hypertension exists in everyone as we get older, all populations, um, as, as does diabetes. So what we can do by getting people from diverse backgrounds is we get much more variety in the extent of various risk factors that allows us to get a more precise answer that's completely separate of their ancestry background. And so this ability for people to um, participate across all different backgrounds helps us as scientists to look at what's unique to a particular ancestral background or uh, socioeconomic class or uh, uh, sex, biological sex, all these different variables, we can start to look at them. And so it drives science by having people um, involved who are different. That's number one. Number two is that it helps to bring to the public's attention these differences and how we want to devise ways to minimize. So if we have people of color in our study and we find differences that are remediable, we can publicly indicate that. And my hope would be is that some of that would translate into better public health of everyone of that ancestry. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. You make a great point. There's a very compelling case of why this research is important and why people of color, as well as your standard European American, should be broadly included. So can you just briefly tell us what does this study require a person to do just at a uh, glossy level? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it's pretty simple. We asked if you as a participant or someone who knows you well have noticed that you have had memory or thinking changes. These do not have to be dramatic over the last three years. So. Uh, this is not a dementia study. This is a study of people who have what we call cognitive complaints. Another word for that is subjective um, cognitive impairment. Um, and we're looking at those people because we believe that they're the people 
who are common as we get uh, older, that, we, that these are common complaints. Um, the second is that we ask that you be able to participate in the study and all the procedures of the study, uh, of which the most uh, limiting one is the MRI. Um, because of safety reasons, we cannot image people who have pacemakers and other um, heart appliances and things like that. And so we, we do a safety screening. Um, and we are not looking at people who have stroke. And uh, the reason we're not is because actually one of our sponsors, uh, the main sponsor, the National Institute on Neurological Disorders and Stroke, has a completely different study that they're looking at people, uh, how stroke affects their thinking, and that we can uh, uh, share that information with anyone who's interested. But right now, we're not looking at people who have had a stroke. Um, so, and because we're doing this over five years, we're asking people who are uh, under the age of 90 um, to uh, participate simply because um, we want to make sure that they maintain in good health and can participate over the entire course of the study. We're also asking people who are over the age of 65 to participate as well because we're really looking for people who are likely to develop uh, uh, cognitive impairment over the time period that we're studying. I think that covers it. Miriam, did I forget anything? <laughs> well, um, we, we would definitely will draw a blood sample. Yes. So we would like for you to donate a blood sample for, uh, again, looking for these biomarkers. That's a good point. Ah, that sounds really critical. Both the magnetic resonance imaging piece the pictures of your brain, but also the blood and the genetics and the molecular mark markers of the disease um, help contribute to these white spots. So together, all of these biomarkers are gonna help us discover and potentially diagnose vascular cognitive impairment. And that's gonna do a greater good for all Americans. I think your statement earlier, Dr. DeCarli, about really opening up a new front of healthcare for public health and knowledge about aging and cognitive impairment is really critical. And especially important in this study is how it affects diverse America. These are all exciting, excellent points to be made about this new study. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it develop over the next several years as we follow all of these heroic participants who donate their time and energy and their imagination and effort to be part of something larger this is going to lead health discovery for the entire nation. This was a really great and stimulating conversation today. Thank you so much, Dr. DeCarli and Fornage for being here. I learned a lot and I'm really looking forward to seeing just how successful we are in the next several years in the study. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to Brain Health in Diverse America. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen to our show by asking your smart speaker to play the Brain Health in Diverse America podcast. And please rate us on your favorite podcast app. Brain Health in Diverse America is brought to you by the NIH grant-funded Diverse Vascular Cognitive Impairment and Dementia Study 
and the UC Davis School of Medicine. To learn more about participating in our nationwide diverse vascular cognitive impairment and dementia study, click on the link in the episode description. Any questions or comments, please email us at diversevcid, all one word, at ucdavis.edu. And thanks for listening.